Talk, talk to me. WSRadio.com Welcome to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. Well, welcome. Good to see you here on Tech Radio this week. Uh, this is Marsha Collier, and Mark Cohen is off this week. Um, before I introduce my guest host, don't forget you can find us on Facebook. We'll be also live casting every week, Saturdays at noon on Twitter, hashtag Tech Radio. You can find us there. And if you're listening in the archives, you have all the choices. We're carried on all the networks, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and gosh, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. And so today, I'm so, by the way, thank you, Uncle Bill on Twitter, Mark Carruthers, good to see you. I want to introduce the man. Now, when I call him the man, I think Ed Bott has A, written more books than I have, so I bow at his feet. I'm not worthy to have him on the show. And since I'm an old geek, I used to read magazines called PC Computing and PC World. Well, Ed was the editor of the U.S. edition of PC Computing and managing editor of PC World. He's an award-winning technology writer, and if you want to know anything about Windows, Ed is the man. Ed is the man for sure. So, Ed, welcome to Tech Radio. Well, thank you for that lovely introduction, Marcia. <laughs> I really appreciate that. I'm totally not worthy. You crank them out, and I bet you've got multiple translations. How many languages are your books in now? You know, I stopped counting at around 60. I used to have an entire shelf of books with uh, with one for each language. And, right. Uh, and then the last time I moved, I said, you know, it, it's time to let these go. Uh, they, they, You know, I did a whole Marie Kondo thing, and, uh, and away they went. But, yeah, just in so many languages. Uh, and I think we've just on Windows 10 – uh, just on win the Windows Inside Out series, we've uh, we've just published our twelfth edition of that book, which is Windows Ten Inside Out Third Edition. So yes, wow. and since uh, since October, I think the first one came out in October two thousand one, and we took a little break for Windows Eight, uh, but then we came back and uh, yeah, uh, just uh, the new one just hit store shelves about a month ago. So before we go deep into Windows, and, and we'll talk about your books in the second half, I figured we could chat a little bit about what technology is going on this week. and Because there's always some fun stuff to talk about, but not fun is the FEMA breach. And, and you gave me that story. Tell us about the FEMA breach, because it's it's becoming the breach of the week now, right? I mean... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really a, a frightening one. This is... Uh, FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, keeps details on people who have been victims of natural disasters. And in this case, that was wildfires in California in 2017, like the Santa Rosa fire in, uh, in, in 2017, as well as uh, the three hurricanes that caused massive damage down in the, the Gulf Coast, uh, also in 2017. Well, FEMA... Uh, released details of, of of the people who they were giving assistance to 
to their contractors and partners. But instead of just giving them the information they need, they gave them a, a whole lot more information than they should have, including in some you, cases banking information. Let me tell you, Ed, what the story is on this, because I had a house that had severe damage during the Northridge earthquake. Yep. Let me tell you that FEMA wants your entire, you know, not only your credit report, they want everything because they're only going to give you a certain amount of money. And what they do then is decide how much they can loan you, how much you're capable of paying back. So they'll give you the grant for a certain amount of money. But that's why in FEMA records, you're going to have bank names, account numbers, home addresses, um, even uh, if you're in the TSA program. So all this data is there, whether they use it or not. And to be honest with you, when I luckily I had uh, insurance during the Northridge earthquake. So I saw this form from FEMA and I said, sorry, not giving you all this information. So there you go. If if you need the money, you're going to have to pay with your data. So what's happened to the data? Well, FEMA says that uh, they inadvertently handed these massive amounts of data over to the contractors who were handling things like temporary housing uh, allowances uh -huh. for uh -huh. people. And now they, uh, they say they've clawed it all back. Uh, they don't think that uh, any of it was compromised outside of the contractors, but that's a pretty that's a little bit of wishful thinking. Um, I, yeah, I suspect. that's a lot of trust involved. That the all the contractors are going to have secure systems and military grade encryption and Lord knows what else, right? Yeah, you really need at some point. Uh, at some point, very soon, in fact, someone has to and will do an audit on it, and so we'll find out what the thing is. And the worst part is that in many cases. These are people who didn't have much to begin with and then lost everything. And now on top of all that, they are are dealing with uh, with potential identity theft, which, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, that's a triple whammy. It's terrible. So I, I don't know. I don't think I've been in this, but I always recommend everybody sign up on Troy Hunt's website. You know, Troy Hunt, have I been pwned? You go yep. to that website and you put in your email address and should it come up, uh, your data being sold on the Internet, Troy will send you a lovely email like he did uh, to me this week. And I was exposed on Hotlook, hot H-A-U-T-E-L-O-O-K. Now, I have LifeLock to protect myself. I don't know. Yeah, because that's only after you've been exposed that LifeLock is going to jump in. I mean, after there's a problem. So I don't know where this is going to go. Do you worry about it? What what can we possibly do? Well, they're, they're really, uh, you know, outside of credit monitoring services and things like that, there really isn't that much that we can do. Uh, I mean, you know, last year there was the, you know, the Equifax breach, which was pretty much the mother of them all. That was hundreds of millions of uh, well over 100 million uh, individual records. And I think maybe the good news about all of this is that there is some safety in numbers. Uh, you know, the, the, the paradox of having tens or hundreds of millions of bits of data stolen is that you're just going to be one little tiny data point in there. And right. You're not likely to stand out. Uh, 
So, you know, and, and to the best of anyone's knowledge, no one has ever done anything with that Equifax data, which makes some of the experts in the Department of Homeland Security think that that was actually a foreign state doing it, it, gathering information for potential espionage purposes, which takes it to a whole nother level, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that that does. To, uh, you obviously missed. You'll have to look up the verifications.io. Check Troy Hunt's site because that was seven billion. It was an email verification system, and they had all their records just on the internet. It was ridiculous. Uncle yeah. Bill also says maybe we should just say what company hasn't been hacked on Twitter. <laughs> it would be a shorter list. <laughs> <laughs> a much shorter list. That's what he said. Um, so. A lot of launches next week, a lot of things going on. We had the Samsung launch last week or two weeks ago. We got Apple coming up this week. What do you think? Is Apple really? Oh, we have Sean Upton McLaughlin joining us on Twitter from China. Nice to see you, Sean. Must be early for him. Um, what do you think of Apple's launch? Have you read anything about, do you see any innovation happening? Well, there's two things that are going on there. Uh, one, they're both services-related launches. And in fact, they announced three hardware products last week via Twitter. Uh, yeah, I know. What, what is that? <laughs> well, I think, I, I think it was, uh, you know, there's the new, uh, the new AirPods um, and there's a spec bump for the, uh, the iMac um, and, you know, a few fairly minor spec bump products. And I think... What they wanted to have here is no distraction from the services announcements that they're making next week. And that's going to be uh, apparently a, uh, an all-in-one video service and an all-in-one news service, which will bundle things, bundle both news and streaming video services in the same way that you're accustomed to getting bundles of channels from your cable TV company. So the idea, I, I know one of the things, one of the, the reports that I read was, for example, that the Wall Street Journal will be included in their news offering so that you can subscribe for perhaps $10 a month to Apple's news service and you'll get access to the Wall Street Journal. Now, I don't know about you. I pay over $400 a year. Yeah, I am, so, I am so done and over with nickel and diming me for every story I want to read on the Internet. This is your third uh, last of three stories. Now, you have yeah. to pay us to read more. What is it? I've really had enough of that. You know, I, I can read a lot of stuff from Macworld, Gizmodo, all kinds of other places. It's just upsetting. I think, though, uh, you know, it, paying for journalism you know, as a working journalist for my entire professional life, I, I'm sort of biased in favor of paying for journalism. So well, I okay, have me too. Me too. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So I have subscriptions to, you know, The Washington Post, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, my local newspaper, The Santa Fe, yep. New Mexican, and and uh, and a handful of other uh, a handful of other services. But the idea of aggregating these all together will mean that, for example, if I see an article from, you know, the, the, the Sioux City, South Dakota, 
newspaper about right. the floods that I don't have right. to worry that they're going to pop something in my face and say, sorry, you know, you, you have to subscribe to get this. It'll just be included with my Apple News subscription. And I understand they're also doing something similar with video streaming services. So you'll be able to get, you know, a whole bunch of content uh, with with one subscription instead of having, you know, a whole a whole bunch of them. So that'll be it, it'll be fascinating to see what they come up with. Apple is the 800 pound gorilla in this space. They have right. 1.4 billion devices worldwide that uh, that can access uh, these things, and you know, everyone. I mean, even even a diehard Windows user like myself, I've got within easy reach of my desk here i've got a there's a mac over there and, and here's an iphone and there's an ipad just a few steps away so uh and there's an apple tv in the other room and all of those will be potential targets for uh these new services so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing what they announce okay so everybody can watch check on twitter of course the live stream will be monday morning pacific time so i don't know what it's going to be but just take a look at twitter and it'll what's interesting is i got my information on this from macworld and there's a giant samsung galaxy book 2 ad in the middle of the page and this it seems like the samsung galaxy book 2 looks exactly like the microsoft surface <laughs> so you know everybody's borrowing from everybody just as a as a side note, I'll be going to Paris for the launch of the Huawei device, which Huawei has its problems in the U.S., whatever. Hey, Apple has its problems, lawsuits, and everybody has their lawsuits. But Huawei has now 17 million devices worldwide. They They are pretty much the elephant, so there's a lot of geopolitics against Huawei and questions, and as soon as we nab them on something, we'll have something official. But for now, I'm willing to go and check the technology of their new phone and see what's going to happen. So that's going to be on Tuesday. So but that'll be kind of cool. I was in uh, – a couple of years ago, I was uh, traveling in South America, and I passed through the, the airport in Lima, Peru – and I love that airport. Did they a, meet you with guns when you got off the plane? They did when <laughs> I was there. <laughs> I was lucky. I was lucky enough. I guess. Uh, I guess I hadn't set off any of the alarms. But what I did okay. notice when I when I uh, when I came out uh, to to go to the outside, I looked up and there were two of the biggest Huawei banners uh, that I have ever seen in my life. I haven't. I don't think I've ever seen advertisements as big as those two um and it really gave me a sense of something that i've known intellectually for years but you sort of get it viscerally when you see something that big right. which is that the u.s market for electronics devices is definitely not the same as the worldwide market especially when you go to places like south america Africa, right. uh, Eastern Europe, you know, the, the developing nations, boy, you really see a different group of players there. Well, I thought one of the things that Huawei did interestingly is they went into third world countries or not prime time or places where 3G is a big deal. 
where they tested their 5G and they laid out networks at very low cost, which obviously helps the people in those countries, but it gave Huawei a place to test and perfect, and that's how they got so far ahead in the 5G market. So that's all interesting. Yeah. Um, we're just a drop in the bucket. It's a big world. Uh, do you ever watch The Tonight Show? I'm sure you have in the past, if you don't now. I have, sure. So, so I come across a story on CNET. It says they are filming Monday night's Tonight Show on the Samsung Galaxy S10 Plus. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Well, I have to tell you, I took a Huawei camera, the uh, Mate 20 Plus, to uh, Alaska, way north of the Arctic Circle, to take pictures of the Aurora Borealis. And that camera, I don't think I could have taken better pictures. Well, it would have helped if I knew what I was doing. <laughs> but I don't think I could have taken better pictures with a, a Nikon or a Canon. It, these smartphone cameras are getting so good. And Samsung's doing a good job, and Huawei's doing a great job. So it'll be interesting, hopefully, uh, if iPhone does something. I mean, Steve Soderbergh shot the Netflix movie High Flying Bird entirely on an iPhone. So uh, there's a whole bunch of other things. So this ought to be interesting. I'm going to, I don't normally watch The Tonight Show, but I'm going to watch this week just so I can see what does it look like if you're shooting it on a smartphone. And I bet. It's it's gonna. We won't tell the difference. What do you think? I think that you're absolutely right. I've had a couple conversations with friends in in recent weeks, both of whom were going through the same uh, sort of angst over. You know, they needed to. They had an old phone. The phone was, you know, it, it wasn't uh, wasn't working properly, and so they knew they needed to buy a, a new one. So they did what many of my friends do. They called me up and said, you know, which one should I get? And uh, and so I pointed to, to several models, but one of the things that became obvious as we were having this discussion is the real differentiating factor between uh, just a perfectly adequate, fine mid-range phone and a top-of-the-line phone is that camera. And so you get things like the Google Pixel phone, Right, uh, the, right. Their whole Pixel line, uh, the the Huawei phones, the new Samsung S10. Well, you know, the series. Huawei phones are made by Leica. And if you're an old camera person, you know who Leica is. I'm meeting with the people from Leica when I go to Paris and talk to them about what they're doing. I understand there's going to be an actual 10x optical zoom on the new phone. Wow. And I don't know how that's going to happen, <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah, and I think Leica even has done some external, uh, you know, clip-on lenses for mm -hmm. uh, for phones and such. But that's really the differentiating factor. And if you get a high-end phone now, you're paying a thousand dollars or more for it. Right. But in exchange for that, in addition to your phone, you're getting a a professional-grade camera that produces results that, in many cases, are indistinguishable from what you could get with a 35 millimeter SLR, uh, you know, at, at least in the hands of normal humans like you and me. Normal, normal humans. But, you know, <laughs> the thing is, we live in a world where not everybody can afford thousand dollar plus cameras. Right. I mean, that's just a fact. So uh, the 
innovation that goes into these high-end cameras. A lot of people don't know that Samsung, like the new Samsung S10e, is a cheaper camera. All these companies sell much lower-end cameras, and we don't get to see them because we don't see the ads and everything. But I think that's the differentiator, what yeah. makes a brand important. I mean, Apple has their niche, and they have their people. But if you're making phones for everybody, I mean, there's even cool phones from a company called Oppo in China. I've seen those phones. Mm -hmm. So you never know. You never know where you're going to find the next cool phone. Uh, let me see. So tell me, did you see when Clippy appeared real briefly? <laughs> I did. Several people in my Twitter feed were uh, pretty excited about that. I loved Clippy. Why, why does Microsoft hate Clippy? I can understand why they hate Bob, but uh, Clippy, I, I think, is adorable. <laughs> well, you do realize that Clippy was introduced as part of Microsoft Bob. Right. Yeah. I do remember. Yeah, but yeah. Bob so, wasn't know, quite as cute as Clippy. <laughs> yeah, Bob wasn't as cute. Uh, you know, you had all the other characters then, too. You know, listen, it was one of those things that seemed like a good idea when they sketched it out on the whiteboard. How about if we have a friendly, uh, you know, a, a cartoon character that, that pops up and, and gives people advice? And it was sort of, you know, one of the very, very first crude implementations of AI in computing. But that's true. Uh, that's true. It was AI. Interesting. It, it was a, yeah, they were basically that. yeah, they were basically watching the things that you did and, right? and responding. If you started to type, you know, dear, if you opened a Word document and typed dear, they would say, it looks like you're trying to write a letter. Would you like some help with that? Uh, but you know, it as it turns out, getting AI right, even 20, yep. 20, even 25 years later, uh, is still really tough. And at the time that, you know, Clippy was just so limited and so <laughs> he was easy a little lame. He was a little lame. So That's easy, true. I mean, so easy to mock, especially, especially for people who were genuinely expert at their computers. Right. right. Uh, the people who started out with WordStar and, and knew the WordStar diamond. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most most uh, most of us writers, you know, at some point in our distant past, you know, there's mm -hmm. a there's a little part of your muscle memory that can still do all of those WordStar commands. Um, and so, for people like them, who were remember, this is 1994. This was before Windows 95 right. came out, and right. it was just it was just too much for uh, the the mainstream computing audience. So I think, and and you know, the efforts to to bring it back now, I think they. I think there was a, a project to put the code up on GitHub, where developers yes. could take advantage. Good. Of it. Explain um, that because everybody must wonder why we're talking about clipping. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so, so there, you know, somebody said, you know, let's open source the thing, and and then you know, people can build Clippy into their their things. And I think uh, there are an awful lot of people who would like to take the digital equivalent of you know a silver spike. The one that, you know, you drive through Dracula's heart there and they'd like to, you know, very gently put that through Clippy's heart so that we could move, move past it. So I have to tell you, and we have just a few minutes before we break this segment. Uh, did you go to DNAfriend.com? 
I did. <laughs> okay, go everybody, go to this website, dnafriend.com. It's a spoof website uh, funded by Elon Musk, done by the folks at Onion. And you know, Onion just has amazing sense of humor. And check out the website, click on everything. It says, for example, when they have what our customers are saying, Sophia says, looks like I've got a race between Alzheimer's and Parkinson's coming up. How exciting. I mean, it's just I was so excited to learn that I had DNA. But you have to read it. it it's so funny. And they have visit the spit truck where you drop off your spit. It's, it's a hysterical site. So please do that. Now, last thing in Elon Musk's and this this killed me seems elon musk who's been trying to build tunnels everywhere with the boring company as he did here in la and everybody kind of said mm, maybe not maybe not the best idea but he does have a tunnel here and he had some people from what was it virginia's chief of rail transportation came right. out to california and took a look at it you can you can do the punchline here <laughs> he, said, he said it looks like it's a car in a little tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> yeah, you know he kind of went. Hmm, I, I don't know. Uh, suffice it to say, their first-hand reviews of the experience, which involved strapping themselves into a Tesla that made its way through a 1.14 mile tr tunnel beneath a Los Angeles industrial park, are unlikely to appear in the Boring Company's marketing materials anytime soon. It was. It, it, take a look if you can find it. I found it on GQ. It's a very funny story because, you know, Elon comes up with these wacky ideas. Now, I realize, like, the the uh, flamethrower and all that were fundraisers because he needed cash. But this boring company, I think, is a little bit too out on the edge. What do you think? Yeah, he's got, you know, SpaceX is, uh, you know, the big a big success or big at least deal. A, big, it's yes. a big it's a big deal and tesla uh despite its recent problems has you know demonstrated that they're they're able to mass produce electric cars unlike what anyone else has done but these ancillary projects i don't know and i mean and just calling it the boring company right is, right it, it almost says Come on, is, are, are you going for a punchline at the end of year three? Here is this. Are you just setting this up for a, for you know for a uh, you know for Ashton Kutcher to come out and say you've been punked? Right, right. I remember an Ashton Kutcher. Remember he used to be at all the tech things. Like he was a big expert, right? Exactly. <laughs> all right. There's the music. We're going to be back in a few minutes on Twitter, and if you're listening on the archives. Click two of two. We'd love to have you. Ed's going to give you a bunch of Windows 10 secrets and how to still get it free. This is Marsha Collier on WS Radio, the worldwide leader in Internet talk. You are listening to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. You take your smartphone almost everywhere you go. Now WSRadio.com can be there, too. Search WS Radio in the Play Store for your Android devices or iTunes for Apple and download the WS Radio application. WSRadio.com, on your phone and in your ear everywhere you go. 
download the WS Radio application. Do it now. It's very easy. WSRadio.com. I've heard this is like one of the best pizza spots in town. Yes, it is. I'll do a slice of pepperoni, slice of vegetarian. You got it. And I will pay for all of that in three days. In three days? <laughs> What's that mean? Well, wait, you accept credit cards. That money's not going to hit your account for three days anyway. I need my money quicker. At Chase, we hear you. With Express Funding, card payments are in your Chase account the next business day. Go to chase.com slash express funding. Chase for business, so you can. Compensated participation, all businesses are subject to credit approval. Not all clients are eligible for next business day funding and additional terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. You've heard me talking about Progressive Medical Center. They have helped me feel my best. And Dr. Gulley, tell us a little bit about integrative medicine. Why is that such a big deal at Progressive Medical Center, and how can that make me feel better? Integrative medicine is just good medicine. It's combining the best of traditional medicine, nutritional medicine, natural medicine, and really helping the patient get to the root cause so they can take control of their health and really make an impact to improve not only their energy, their vitality, and just their overall outlook on their health and their life. I procrastinated for a long time before I finally made an appointment. So why should someone not delay and go ahead and get set up and come see you guys? Any journey begins with that first step. And that first step means making a decision to recognize that there's something wrong with you. Whether you have fatigue, inappropriate weight gain, not sleeping well, not concentrating, all of these issues, you can get to the root cause. So many of us here at The Fish have gotten help from Progressive Medical Center. So why don't you find out more from them today? Go to ProgressiveMedicalCenter.com This is your life, live it well I raised $8,000 to build schools for South African children. After realizing how many people go hungry in San Diego, I now volunteer at a food pantry. I'm spending the next year doing volunteer projects across three countries and helping in ways they designate to be the most helpful. The World Link program at the Joan B. Kroc Institute for Peace and Justice recognizes the potential of youth as agents of social change. Learn how you can help youth become a generation of leaders in action at peace.sandiego.edu. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. 